You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Close to the Chest with Kristen and Christine is brought to you by iHeartRadio. Today is October 16th. This is Kristen Nobles, and I've been doing a lot of thinking about the impact breast implant illness had on my friends and my family, and it's almost immeasurable. I think about how I missed major holidays, events, and could not show up as the friend and family member the people I love so deserved. The sacrifices I had to make, like not being at my mother's funeral or not going to things like parent-teacher meetings with my daughter because I wasn't strong enough or I was too sick or I was hospitalized. And I think about the burden it took on them financially and emotionally to be there and to face this issue for decades. And I wonder what my life would be like had I not gotten sick. Would I have remarried? Would I have had more children and realized my dream to have a big family? And also the people that I love that just didn't understand this. And the guilt and shame I feel because at times they attack me, not the problem, thinking it was all in my head or that I was making it up for attention. And that was really awful. I felt really ostracized and alone. And to the people who did step up and insert themselves at times when I was too embarrassed to even ask for help, I am so grateful. Because I don't know where I would be without the friends and family members who stuck by me. And I don't know who I would have been to those people I love had I not had this disease. But I do know this cost me way too much. Chris, today we are talking about the impact breast implant illness has on the friends and family members that support patients for what can sometimes be years, if not decades, of treatment and diagnostic process. And unfortunately, many women reach out to me and share that the hardest thing for them about breast implant illness is not the pain they go through, but the burden they feel this disease puts on their friends and family. It's understandable because the toll I imagine it takes on their relationships, given the financial impact, the physical limitations, and of course, the emotional roller coaster they find themselves on can be very significant. 
It is. However, I know firsthand lots of people want to help us. And I have met so many incredible friends and family members along the way that want to know how they can help their loved one overcome the disease and what they can do to be more supportive. So I think this episode's really important. Well, when talking about this issue, it seems that support comes in so many different forms and is certainly a key factor in someone, a patient, being able to survive and thrive. Absolutely. If we've learned anything through this journey, it's that the key to survival is knowing that together we are not alone. And I'm honored to share some of these amazing advocates that I've met along the way and have personally helped me. And they can give us some tips on how to offer the right emotional support during the process because it can be arduous and financially some tools to get through this. But most importantly, just overall, how do you navigate this crazy medical maze we find ourselves in? Well, I do look forward to hearing from those who will stand by their loved ones who are facing BII because it takes an incredible amount of strength to be able to sustain the effort it takes to be a patient advocate. Absolutely. And this episode is dedicated to my friend Stacy Shane and her family. Stacy passed from breast implant illness and was a friend I met in the community, an advocate who really worked hard to raise awareness about the illness and someone we and her family miss greatly. Stacy has done a lot while she was with us, and I'm excited to share with her family what they've done to continue her legacy. And I also want to dedicate this to my daughter, who patiently waited for over 20 years for her mom to get better, sacrificed most of her childhood, spending times in hospitals, etc., when she should have been celebrating birthdays and holidays. And I think it's important in this episode to acknowledge all of the family members and friends that have given so much to make sure that we could navigate through this disease and help others. How wonderful and lucky you are to have such a supportive daughter. Absolutely. I feel blessed, as with Stacy. So who are we speaking with today? Well, before we speak with Stacy's family, I'd like to introduce Stephen Baru, who has been a life-saving advocate for me, helping me navigate through breast implant illness for over a decade. Stephen is an attorney. So he brings a unique perspective to this, and he's also seen me through the diagnostic and treatment process in settings ranging from emergency rooms to intensive care to surgical procedures and has been there to advocate in all sorts of settings for me. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. 
You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Today we have with us Stephen Baru, who's been an advocate, friend, and confidant during my journey with dealing with breast implant illness and brings a unique perspective as someone who has been my family, my business partner, and really fought for me to get the answers I needed. And I wanted to include you today, Stephen, and thank you first and foremost for being here. My pleasure to be here. It's really important, I think, in this issue to talk to the entire community that's affected when you go through this issue. And a lot of time, I think men are discounted or not thought of as advocates for people through the process. And I wanted to start by asking you, as a man who's watched me go through this journey, to share with the listeners a bit about what you experienced with breast implant illness and what was most shocking to you. Well, this has been an interesting journey because when we first started through this journey, we didn't know what we were going after or where it would end up. And it ended up here. And, and I, th- I think the most interesting part is how many women are affected by this and how you thought that this might just be you. And it turned out to be an entire community or world of, of women going through this. That's really been the most fascinating for me so far. And what's it like out there as you're talking to women about their breast and this issue and meeting people? Are they surprised or, you know, what's the reaction you get from people when you share what you're experiencing with me? At first, it's it's no, that really can't be. And when I describe to them where you've been and what you're building and all of the women you've talked to, it's it's interesting to hear after that how many women are touched by this, either have had it, didn't know they had it, or know someone who had it. So it's your talk has really started to open up conversation about this. What's most shocking is the symptoms range. And I think, Stephen, you and I saw over 50 to 100 doctors throughout the last 10 years. And a lot of times I would leave those places really depressed and crying and frustrated and angry. And you've been there really to lift me up. So for you, you know, as an advocate dealing with me, who at times was just hysterical, you know, what can you recommend to friends and family who are watching patients go through this? And what were some things you helped me do to really have a voice? Well, first, let me say, I'm shocked that it took nine years to get to this point of realization about this disease, if that's what we call it now. And it's been a battle. It's been a battle because doctors didn't see it. Doctors didn't know of it. You've had it for a while, and yet all of the doctors you saw just didn't know of it. And so that's been, I think that was the most traumatizing to you to have been seen by so many doctors who just dismissed this as a ailment. And it turns out that this ailment may have contributed to a lot of the other ailments that you have. So that was, that's the most inspiring to me. When you've seen me have thousands, you know, hundreds of seizures, sometimes, you know, multiple in a row, 
And I think, you know, as an advocate, being in the hospital so many times, do you mind sharing with the listeners a bit about what it was like for you to, you know, talk to these doctors while I was having major issues? Like you're saying, these weren't mild symptoms. I was having seizures. My heart was stopping. I had brain infections. And you were the one talking to the doctors. And how did they treat you and me during the process, did you feel? I think it was most um, discouraging is the word I would use because, and, and we, we shook our heads so many times for so many years that so much was going on in hospital beds in front of doctors who just dismissed it as something way more minimal than, than it actually was. I don't know how much of all of your ailments we can contribute or attribute to this, but I really believe that had we seen doctors who knew of this and took it seriously earlier, your plight would not have taken as long as it has. You were really adamant that I didn't give up. And I think to the family members listening that don't have, you know, resources, what would you advise to them in terms of being a support person? Because it had to be pretty frustrating to watch these doctors and me suffer. The process of hospitals and uh, is a most frustrating one. If you don't have an advocate for you in a hospital setting, it's a really difficult place to be. It's very scary and it's very frustrating. My takeaway on this would be you can't ever give up. You can't take no for uh, an answer. You have to continue on your journey to get doctors to, to hear you and help you. I was diagnosed three years ago. We were in the hospital and a doctor came to me after I had a horrible brain infection and told you and I that this was breast implant illness and that my implants were, quote, killing me. What was that moment like for you? To be honest, I was shocked. I had very little knowledge of this. Um, we had talked about it just briefly. And at that point, it became a reality. That became my, oh my God, moment of, you're going through this. How many other millions of women are going through this? Who's to blame? But more importantly, how do you fix it? And, oh my God, what if we knew this two years ago and had taken care of this then? Where would we be now? It's a really great point because I think since then, you know, I had them removed. We met with a surgeon. He told me to replace them. I called you about nine months after my surgery and told you I still wasn't feeling well and that my implants had actually been recalled and that these new ones were making me sicker. What was that like for you as someone who's an attorney, now my advocate, and also my friend? That was even more floor-dropping than the first time we discussed this. My mind went to another place. How could the doctor do this? How could the hospital allow this? How does the manufacturer not take responsibility for this? What do we do next? How do we get these out as soon as possible? That's where my brain went. Did you feel that you were taken any more seriously in the hospital settings when you went with Kristen? Did you feel like either as a man that you were taken more seriously um, as an advocate or maybe as an attorney? Absolutely, and all of that. I mean, picture her in a bed crying, picture me standing up, not crying, being forceful, being an attorney, demanding respect, communicating in a professional manner made me much more credible at the moment. I can't even tell you the, the, the number of conversations I had with really mad, belligerent doctors who I had to take to task just to solve the problem that we had at the moment. 
So the answer is yes. I was much more credible because I was not the patient, but I was the advocate of the patient. What would you advise to men in terms of really tactics and things when they're approaching their spouse, their partner, their friend, their sister about this issue? Because I'm sure it wasn't easy for you to talk to me about, let alone other women. You know, that's a really interesting point that I, that's a perspective that I had not thought about yet. A married man who loves his wife, who happens to have this. And it's got to be so trying on the gentleman because he knows that he loves his wife as, as she is, and then she might not be. And that's a perspective I, I had not thought of. Like you said, it takes a partnership. And, and what partners do is they step up for each other. And I'm, I'm certain that every husband in the world would find this trying to begin with and then go into loving, caring, support your partner spouse mode. Where would you be if Stephen wasn't in your life? Um, I wouldn't be noble. Um, a lot of people ask me about my day job at Be Noble, and he is the B in Be Noble, which is the verb in what I do. And in my life, I would not have had the support emotionally, financially, physically, or the faith to get through this. My daughter wouldn't be where she is today because he really stepped in as a co-parent, as an advocate, as a friend, and a supporter. And he also gave me faith in connecting to someone again. You know, this disease has a tendency to isolate you. You want to be alone. You don't necessarily want to be around people. And so without Stephen, I don't think I would be here today. I don't think I would have had the strength or the fortitude to deal with the doctors, the lawyers and everything. And physically, I wouldn't have been able to get there because he also drives me everywhere. Shame is an easy place to go when you're out of control. That's, that's where people end up. And I tried through all of this just to teach and share with Kristen that this was not of her choosing, that these were not the choices that she's made, that this is just fate, and that she had to take this nonsense by the horn and make it something and fight her way through it and play her way through it to get to where she needed to be, which was healthy. And so it's been a long fight. And this BII now seems to be close to the last stages of this fight for her in a good way. Because once she solves this, there's medical reports that say that this BII disease is causing some of her other illnesses. So it'll be interesting to see if her plight goes that way. You know, I think families are comprised of all sorts of people. We have a family. You know, you've become my partner, my advocate, my close, close friend, and really the person who helped me get through this. So I think, you know, to kind of wrap this up and bring it to close, as the patient, as the friend, you were able to talk to these doctors in a way that was, like you said, very calm and rational. And so what would you recommend to people when they're communicating with their doctor in terms of teaching them how to treat them and commanding the respect that, like you said, as patients, we deserve? but also getting the response that a white attorney can get from a doctor at his alma mater. Well, pa patients have to stand up for themselves. That's first and foremost. The days of letting doctors tell you what to do and how they're going to treat you and what they're going to give you, those days are over. You have to be your own advocate. And as you're doing that, you have to bring in other people who can help you also work through the system. It's a very difficult system 
and you have to work it and you have to work it hard because it's all about you and your health and your family and your life. And that's the only thing that's important in this case. And so you have to stand up for yourself. That's what I, that would be my, my key, my key takeaway here. Well, and that's what we're asking for. I think with every woman who I meet, when I share with them the cost these implants have had, overall economic impact of this is emotional, financial, physical, and spiritual, because you start to lose faith in organizations and authority figures that you thought you could trust. And then what you learn is that we don't know what we don't know. The friends and family that have supported me through this gave me the environment to not be okay. As women, we have to accept and announce that we're not okay and also know that we deserve to be okay and to fight for that place. And I think, Stephen, you've been such a great help and supporter. And I wish all of my fellow victims and patients and survivors have the same support because it's key. And no, you're not alone, as we all say. You are not alone. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Kristen, you are very lucky to have friends and advocates that are so supportive that you can count on when things get rough. Absolutely. Stephen is a true renaissance man and proves that advocates are angels and key to helping us get diagnosed, emotionally cope with what we're going through, and are ultimately there to help make sure your rights are protected. Well, next we're going to meet two people who have a story we wish we didn't have to share. Randy and Bonnie Shane are Stacy's mom and brother, and we will be speaking with them on what is the anniversary of her passing. This is a difficult conversation for me to have because Stacy is someone who I met early on in my BII journey in a chat room. 
before her passing. And she was such a shining light of hope when I was personally in such a dark space. And the work that her family's done to, since she passed to share her story, to raise awareness and use their pain as fuel has literally helped to save other women's lives and is actually how I came to know them. And I hope sharing their story helps them help more women and honor Stacy's final request, which was to use her story to make sure other women didn't have to suffer. First and foremost, I want to thank you both for joining. When I tell people that, you know, our breasts are killing us and it causes all these secondary issues, a lot of things come up. And so you guys have been not only through this, but you've had the worst outcome with it. And I wanted to give you a chance to first and foremost, tell the listeners about Stacy, what you guys experienced. And then I'd love to, you know, jump in and talk about the book and some action items. But really, I want them to get to know Stacy and her family, because you really have done an amazing thing to raise awareness, share her story, and make sure that nobody forgets BII is absolutely real. I, I guess I, I, I could say that I always felt that I didn't hit the right doctors. And then when I started going to the major hospitals, I figured I'd meet them there. But uh, Dr. Cole told me she worked at one of the major hospitals, which was John Hopkins. And they didn't believe in it at all. So I really was banging my head against the wall at even the major hospitals. So you have a daughter who is sick. Did Stacy? when did she start to suspect it was her implants? She had a lot of weird things going on. I remember I was at her house and she was talking about uh, eating something that she felt was coming back up through her, through her nose. Noodles, she was saying. I'm like, so there's noodles coming through my nose. I don't want to. I'm like, what are you talking about noodles? She's like, it's just the weirdest feeling. And then she thought that she had ALS. Um, she was getting, you know, all types of tests for ALS. And then she just started to research. And then she found this community. And then, uh, you know, that's she was the one that found Dr. Kolb herself, trying to find someone who believed in this to be able to guide her um, on the right path. Anyone other than Dr. Kolb, they just did not believe her. They thought that she was crazy. They wanted to give her antidepressants every single doctor she went to. She would get her hopes up for the next doctor that she would see and be, only be let down, you know, by that, that doctor. And, you know, it came to a point where she's like, I'm, I'm just never going to get better because no one wants to help. So you guys sound like you were obviously an amazing support group. Do you mind sharing, Randy and Bonnie, with the listeners a bit about Stacy as a person? Because she really was just a really strong, amazing mother, daughter, friend. Well, all the, all the above. I mean, at her funeral, there were over 450 people. So that, that shows how many lives that she touched. There's no one, no one else like her, no one similar. And it was, it was a very, very big loss for us, to say the least. And for our listeners, um, unfortunately, Stacy passed in 2019. And one of the things that was, you know, meeting you, Randy, when you talked about this, um, to take a step back with the illness, you shared that you were going to her house. You were seeing how she was stru struggling. Do you mind sharing with everybody, unfortunately, what you guys had to go through with Stacy and what happened? Because I think it's so unbelievable to most, but it's not only true, it's horrendous. The worst thing that we did was to give her that, um, that spinal tap. She thought she had ALS and she wanted to know. Her neurologist said to meet him at the ER, and he didn't show up. He had an emergency, and he instructed the ER physician 
to do it. Now, I wasn't there with her. I would have never have allowed that, never. And it was a botched spinal tap. And she developed head pain that never, ever went away. I even took her down to North Carolina, to Duke, to try to close up the holes. She felt they- she felt that was what brought silicone from her implants that were roaming around her body straight up to her brain because of the spinal So tap. in her head, she, there was no way that she was going to get better because the all the chemicals were shot up to her brain, and we tried everything, everything to get those chemicals out of her body. The only way we learn about this disease is all talking because my doctor's never going to know what your doctor knows, what the other doctor knows. Someone going through what we call head pain from a cervical spinal fluid leak is the most painful thing I've had. And here's the irony. It was my CSF leak that made them say it might be your implants. Prior to that, they kept saying, we have no idea what it is. And it was one doctor. So what Stacy was going through, and I also heard you say, they said, she's going to the emergency room. She's going to all different sides of the medical system, which had to be exhausting for her. That was just the beginning. I mean, that was where it all started. Well, what, what I learned um, halfway through, my cousin, who was a physician in California, said, have your physician write up a, um, a brief synopsis of what you're going through and take that with you so that they see it from a physician to a physician and it holds more weight. It doesn't make you look like you have all kinds of things going on wrong in your head. So we did that. Not that anybody was able to help her even with that. So go- going back to your question about did they, did they rupture, they bled. They bled into her tissue. They bled, and that's how it got into her body. But the, uh, the, the laboratory, the laboratory, what was his name, Dr. Blaze? Uh, Blaze said that they were the worst implants He's ever seen. And, and he's they should seen have never many, been implanted. He's seen many. Buddy and Randy have not only been out publicly talking and being so brave to discuss with people what BII is and what it is and how it happens potentially, but also when I read the book, A Mother's Nightmare, dealing with BII and the opiate crisis, and the first line of it is, if you're reading this, then I didn't make it. And you asked me prior to recording why I did this podcast, and that is exactly why. And I think... Being able to feature you both and let you talk about, Stacy, this wasn't a lack of strategy. It wasn't a lack of determination. Do you mind sharing with the listeners how much of a lack of understanding it was between these doctors, et cetera? Well, she went to the, the top hospitals in the country. She went to the top doctors. And because it's not an agreed upon illness that doctors understand and, and there's no money for research, into this illness, so doctors get scared about what they don't know. So if they try to treat symptoms, but they don't try to treat the root cause, and especially with something like this, where there's so much money in the implant industry, where you know lobbyists are quieting down doctors that want to help, and this is where Stacy was caught in the middle of all this, where she, nobody knew how to help her, and she was in so much pain that she couldn't even treat her pain. So like, it was like it was like getting attacked from both sides. It's like I'm trying to treat one thing, but on the other side of the coin, I'm in pain. And how do I stop my pain? And she always said that her uh, pain meds would help her body pain, but nothing was helping her head pain. Nothing touched. She's like it felt. It feels like someone is taking an axe and just just hitting me in the head nonstop all day long. What was your experience 
watching Stacy go through what she went through? It was it was very very difficult because she became a different person. She she didn't have that humor really. She was withdrawing away from people. She knew who she was and she saw herself being someone completely different and that's what bothered her the most for her kids. She, I don't want my kids to remember me like this. I want my kids to remember me as the fun Stacy, the one that would play. If you go on her Facebook, you'll see 5 million videos of her playing with her kids and she even did that through all the pain. You know, she did it because she wanted them to remember her a certain way. So by her not able to do the things that she used to do was the thing that crushed her the most. Isn't it horrible how this experience turns into guilt for the victim? Because as a mom, she was trying to shine through. And like you said, you can look at the pictures, the videos, the comments, and you can see how she just stayed so positive. But like you talked about, there's these private moments that I'm sure were terrible. And do you mind sharing a bit about the book and how that came about? Because it's a pretty powerful piece of work. When my cousin told me to keep a log uh, for the doctors, uh, Stacy thought it would be a good idea to, and I had everything with me still. I still had all the appointments and names of doctors. So she asked if I could put it together um, and, and possibly make a story. I mean, the word book didn't come till a little later. It was just putting everything that we had together so that it could be a manuscript or possibly later on. Um, she was, just, she was trying to help people to the last day. It was all about other people instead of herself because she had given up on herself because everybody else gave up on her. So she was trying to not give up on everybody else out there going through the same thing that she's going through. So she said, Mom, like I'm going to start this and I want you to finish it and I want you to get it out to as many people out there so they can, you know, the ones that have implants can realize, you know, the dangers of it and the ones that are looking to get them, hopefully they don't. What you're saying unfortunately, is not uncommon. And it impacts the whole family. And so I don't want to take you to this awful place, but it sounds like Stacy had multiple neurological, physical, and, emo you know, she was literally wasting away. What ended up, to share with the listeners, how did Stacy pass and how, how did you guys get through this? Well, towards the end, um, July was her birthday. Okay, I took her and all three kids to Canada, and um, we went on Niagara Falls, and, and just walking up that hill, I saw she was faltering, and that night, she developed pneumonia. Of course, we didn't know it was pneumonia. Uh, my grandson, the older one, you know, woke me up and said, Mommy's not breathing right. And we, um, I drove home at 2 o'clock in the morning. So we drove home, made a home, and I took her over to the local hospital where she had that spinal tap. Unfortunately, that was a mistake because as soon as she got into the hospital and they took all the tests and she had the double pneumonia, she said, go out and get my stuff from the car. No sooner did I come back did they Narcan her. So they emptied out all the pain medicine from her body. So she wasn't. She wasn't ODing, by the way. It was. She had pneumonia, and she was she, like, like she this. Was, and they gave sick. her Narcan at this at this hospital. Like she's like, 
And then she's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you, why are you doing this to me? As I was only she left, in the car for maybe 10, 15 minutes, get, grabbing all the stuff and carrying all the stuff in because she was staying over. Okay? And then when she went home, I think it, she was there for a week with the pneumonia. She was there for a week. Oh, we fought everybody, got no place. We went home, and she was having such bad diarrhea that she asked if her main doctor, who was her rheumatologist, would write a script for Reglin. For Reglin. As he was signing the, the prescriptions, he never looked at the Reglin. The Reglin and her pain medicine collided. He came to my house to pay a shiver call and said... I never would have written it had I looked at it because they're not supposed to be. Ta- Why are you telling me that you made a mistake? So she ended up having like lockjaw. Uh, she couldn't like permanently like open like scary face. She went to the to uh, the local hospital, uh, Jersey Shore Medical Center in Neptune. You know, she's like, am I going to be like this forever? And then I got the call the following morning, morning of September 6th from uh, my dad. But her, her boyfriend at the time called my parents saying that Stacy was, was unresponsive. The guilt that women feel and what your daughter went through and being unresponsive, everybody's heart broke because Stacy didn't quit. This disease took Stacy. And I think it's so important for women out there to know that they didn't do this to themselves. They're not failing their children. And the greatest thing that's happened out of this BIA movement is that women know they're not alone. And I just want to honor what Stacy has done to not only change your lives, but the lives of so many women. And the bravery of you guys sharing her story has been not only an inspiration, but a life-saving journey. Just thank you for everything you do. And I'm really sorry this is why we met, but I'm so glad that I know you both. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Nice meeting you both. Kristen, what an amazing and loving family. We should all be that lucky. Absolutely. They are incredible people. And for those of you who want to read Stacey and Bonnie's book, it's actually called A Mother's Nightmare, My Battle with Breast Implant Illness and the Opiate Crisis. Yeah, we put a link to it in our resources page on sicktitties.com. It's an absolute must read. So Chris, meeting these family members was not only emotional, but also a reminder to me of how much this disease costs not only us, but those people that we love, our friends and our family who go through it with us. Well, I think we learned that although it is difficult, advocates are very necessary and they want to be there for you. This is not a burden, but a blessing for those who show up to support and they are key to survival. I know firsthand it's so important to have an advocate who's not only able to help you in so many ways, but also just knowing that there's no one way to advocate. I think what I learned today is that each advocate has learned some unique strategy that we can all apply. And a few we saw today were, you know, pretty compelling. I think we found out about BII. Absolutely. I think for most patients, it's other people who discover BII from support groups. And they're that critical person to reach out to the patient and the person and say, hey, this might be what's ailing you. Yeah. And also Bonnie, who's such an impressive researcher. Yeah, she sought out doctors and really worked hard to identify and find people who were even capable of helping Stacy. 
and was persistent in, you know, driving her to places that were far away, getting appointments and really went that extra mile to find resources at a time when they were really difficult to find. We also learned that advocates must be very persuasive. Yeah, it's pretty crazy to me, you know, being there firsthand to see how Stephen literally had to represent me in the hospital and how hard the Shanes had to work to convince doctors to take Stacy seriously. I think what I've learned is that when you're sick, it's really hard to be an advocate because advocates have to be diligent. They've got to be articulate, driven, persuasive, and ultimately lobbyists who get those doctors and experts that can help us to support us and really not give up. And they have to be persistent. Never give up trying to find the answers that is going to give the BII patients hope. Yeah, I can tell you there were many times where I was feeling like there was no hope. And it was my friends, my daughter, Stephen, coming to me and being really clear that we were not going to give up, that there was going to be a next step in constantly coming up with an alternative to giving up. To quote one of my favorite movies, never give up, never surrender. Well, on that note, I think what we've learned is that for me, just having people be there, Chris, is the key. I think the most important way to be an effective advocate is to show up. Because I think for me, the biggest gift throughout my journey was the emotional support people gave me and their presence was truly what I needed just to be able to bear this journey. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think like, just be there. Just be there. Well, and I think what we've learned is that not being alone is everything. And with the amazing friends and family members that have shown up, who've advocated and supported us, this has turned into a community of incredible people that are very quickly sharing information, supporting each other. And I think it's important to honor and recognize that this journey not only impacts us all, but these advocates deserve our honor, our love, our support, and recognition because they are the true heroes in this journey. Together, we are not alone. Close to the Chest with Kristen and Christine has been brought to you by B Noble Media Group and iHeartRadio. A very special thanks to our guests, Stephen Baru and Randy and Bonnie Sheen. Now I'd like to share some gratitude. A very special thanks to iHeartRadio, Jawara Parker, and her iHeartRadio marketing team. And a big, big thanks to our executive producer, Ramsey Yant. If you or someone you know would like to know more about breast implant illness, please visit sicktitties.com. That's S-I-C-K-T-I-T-T-I-E-S.com. Also, please follow us on Instagram at sick.titties and at bnobleart, that's B-N-O-B-L-E-A-R-T. And we would also love to have you join our Facebook page at bnoble on B-I-I. And please remember, you're not alone. Together, we can beat this. The views and opinions expressed are solely those of the podcast author or individuals participating in the podcast and do not represent the opinions of iHeartMedia or its employees. This podcast should not be used as medical advice, mental health advice, mental health counseling or therapy, or as imparting any healthcare recommendations at all. Individuals are advised to seek independent medical counseling advice and or therapy from a competent healthcare professional with respect to any medical condition, mental health issues, health inquiry, or matter, including matters discussed on this podcast. Close to the Chest with Kristen and Christine is a production of iHeartRadio and produced in our studios located in Atlanta, Georgia. 
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between, like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly. How much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.